All right, so we got Pete Sena coming on today. This is going to be awesome. He works with digital surgeons. Um, there's quite a quite a few cool things. I just got the phone with him. He's jumping in right now. Um, we're going to be going over uh, who he is, what he does. We'll look at the the skill that he has. But ultimately, the man is amazing at business um, and business growth and creativity. And there's so much depth to him that I'm really excited to dive into his vision and what he provides for entrepreneurs. Um, so real quick, I'll, I'm going to share my screen a little bit too, um, just so you can get an idea of, of what he does and, and why I'm so excited about having him on board. Let's go over here to uh, one of his companies, digitalsurgeons.com. Um, they're very creative. Uh, they've got mar makers, marketers, entrepreneurs, um, a whole team of amazing people. Um, they're in this uh, center called the district. I'm not super familiar with it, but um, they also had something to do with the development of it. And you can just tell by the quality of the work, the amount that of, of effort and passion they put into their projects in addition to how creative they are. And Pete, he's been a founder, CEO and chief creative officer for quite some time. Um, as you can see here, they launched their consultancy agency with just $5,000. And today it's thriving at eight figure. Um, and they've got more than 50 people that work for their company. They've done projects for Lady Gaga, United Technologies, US Open. Um, and Pete's also helped uh, numerous companies from early fundraising to IPO, collectively raising more than $100 million of various client partners over the years. Let's uh, let's see if I've got if I've got Pete backstage now. I do. Awesome. Um, so with that said, we're going to dive into the intro and we'll get rolling. All right. Welcome in to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We will be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. And Division Pros Live. I'm your host, Jackson Callum, founder and CEO of First Class Business. I'm excited to have Pete Sena on board. If you heard the uh, the pre-intro as well, um, you'll already know just how awesome he is. Now, I also want to make sure to use his sizzle reel for this introduction. Before we go into the sizzle reel, though, I do want to give a quick shout out to Cold Click um, and what they do for us in terms of LinkedIn automation. It's been super helpful to have Art's help on on that process. He helps make sure that we abide by the rules of the algorithms. We don't get shut down as we connect to amazing people um, at scale rather than having to reach out one at a time. Um, Tapmental.io as well. I'd like to give a shout out to Dave Goodall. He's become a good friend of mine. Uh, fantastic business owner as well. If you're looking for help in the blue collar space, uh, meaning you've got a construction company or you know somebody who's got a general contracting company and they need some help with growth, then definitely reach out to Dave. Check out his case studies and, and what he's done in the market and then consider bringing him in. He's going to help entrepreneurs and their sealable executives really crack the code of their psychology in order to also better implement systems um, in the first place. It's amazing how much our mind trash how much our mindset limitations um, and, and lack of centered beliefs end up interrupting our ability to create systems of success. Um, and I've been very impressed with Dave and what he's up to. So check out tapmental.io and of course, The Water Project. Um, if you're in a position where you can help others, please do, whether that's $1 given, 1,000, 10,000, or just creating awareness and telling other people about it. I love that The Water Project uh, provides clean drinking water to people who don't have access to that. There's a lot of struggling that goes on the in the world. We're very blessed to live in first world countries or to at least be able to access a podcast like this if we can. 
why not take some time to give back to those who, who don't have the upper hand and make a generational change where these children and, and uh, parents or people have to take time from their day to go look for water that's not clean, that affects their lives, compared that to the borehole wells that they get, the sand dams. And I love that the Water Project shows you exactly what's happening and what communities you're contributing to. If you have another project that you'd like to see us contribute to, don't hesitate to drop that in the comments as well. We'll evaluate it. We might even bring that, uh, that cause on the show as well and talk about it. So. Um, let's go into Pete's intro video and then I'll bring him on stage and, uh, we'll go from there. I believe that creativity and curiosity are fundamentally broken. I think they're broken in the world, but more importantly, I think they're broken in business. How do we growth hack our brand into success, right? In order for us to engineer best in class, we have to first look at best in class. We have to deconstruct best in class, define a stake in the ground as to where we're going as a business. Once we've gotten there, then we evolve or we shift or we iterate on that mission. We're always thinking about that zero day. When are we gonna run out of cash? When are we gonna run out of things, right? We have to get to the next level. We have to innovate faster. We have to fail faster, fast, fast, fast. Think bigger than your next big milestone that your VC wants to see. Think bigger than your quarterly sales earnings presentation that you have to meet. The one currency that we're all battling right now is attention and time. If you can get there faster, if you can personalize my experience. Lots and lots of people over the past 36 years have told me no, have told me not possible, have told me you can't. I just launched a 20 plus million dollar campus. But you know what's worse than somebody telling you you can't do it? You telling yourself you can't do it. I want to be a force for positive change in people's lives. Pete, it's an honor to have you on the show, man. Welcome to Vision Pros Live. It's great to be here. Good to see you again. Absolutely, my friend. Um, let's quantify for the audience now. Uh, I've definitely, I've definitely hit entrepreneurs and said, "Hey, you guys got to be listening to this." But um, from your perspective, who should be listening today? Why, why else should they be listening to you? And and uh, I'll, I'll help us define what they're going to get out of today's show um, as well. But I feel free to to redirect me a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So I would say anybody that wants to level up in life and is has to work whether it's building a business or having a job i would imagine that's probably the lion's share of people on the planet i think everybody that fits into that bucket it's a big bucket um can benefit from this conversation you know just the wisdom that you share all the time i know that people are going to get inspired by and hopefully i can just add a couple of tidbits there as for why they should listen to me um first and foremost everything i'm going to share with you are things that i do myself you know this is not me you know, reading off some self-help book and prescribing advice that I've never done. This is stuff that I've tried and failed at, I've tried and succeeded at, and you're going to get 100% real, 100% raw from me in terms of what we're going to talk about today. Um, I believe, like I said in the video, creativity and curiosity are broken. And I think that when we live more creative and curious lives, we can be more fulfilled. We can be more happy. We can be more effective, most importantly. So um, that's ultimately, I think, why folks might want to listen to me. Uh, or us on this conversation. And I'm just excited to be here. Awesome, man. And uh, I agree. You know, it's funny. I look at you and I see a Pat Flynn. Um, you know, I see a Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, and I think, man, and I want to quantify this for the audience because when I, I don't come across people with 
your accolades super often. Um, and when I do, it's like, okay, I got to seize this opportunity, opt into what I can and garner as much information. But um, how, how does it, uh, how does it, <clears throat> how does it affect you for me to compare you to names that are known uh, that have millions and millions and millions of followers? What does that do for you? Couple things. One, I'm I'm humbled and grateful. Um, I've met Gary a couple times over the years, and he's a really really brilliant guy. And you know, you you see what you get, and you get what you see with Gary. And you know, to be compared to someone at that level is definitely um, inspiring, to say the least. Um, I would also say it makes me wish I started sooner, because mm. you know, when you look at you know the Garys out there, there's there's so many talented people out there some of the most talented people I've ever met and I've ever worked with, you've never heard of, I've never heard of. And I think that that to me is one of the reasons why I'm so excited to talk to you today about storytelling and branding and all these things, because I got started late. You know, I was sort of the consigliere behind a lot of CEOs and C-suite leaders for the past 20 years. And now I'm sort of stepping into the light <laughs> and I'm not doing it, you know, as an introvert, it's, it's definitely a little bit overwhelming <laughs> to do at times, but I do it because much like you're doing Jackson, it's all about really bringing to light the things that we think and know so that hopefully we can inspire somebody else. And my hope is that, you know, when I was that 19 year old kid starting my first business and I didn't know my butt from my elbow, um, mm. I wish there was someone in my ear that was providing that advice. That was someone that I could know and trust and get advice from or mentorship from. So I'm trying to be the, the thing I needed 20 something years ago, 30 something years ago, whatever time it was. Um, and that's what I'm here to do. Absolutely. Well said, man. Thanks for handling the awkward question. Um, yeah, no worries. <laughs> you handled it well. I was like, man, there's a question I really want to dig out of this and, and we nailed it. And your response is, is uh, super helpful for me. Um, tell me what's your vision for those that you serve? What do you hope they accomplish? So for me, it's, I hope people can get to a clear understanding of what their vision is for themselves and their life or work, whatever that, whether that's their life's work or just their life in general. Um, I hope that I can help them articulate it, get clear with themselves and others about it, and then ultimately build a plan or a roadmap to take the steps and actions to get there. So that's my hope. And whether I'm building a brand that's you know 10 or 10,000 people, or whether I'm just talking to somebody that I met at a coffee shop, um, I try to deliver the same amount of passion, intensity, and energy to everything that I bring to the table. And it's challenging at times. I'm not going to lie to you, as, especially as an introvert, I recharge by being about myself. So you know, being on the camera, having all the bright lights going um, is definitely a lot at times. I like that. I appreciate it too. Um, you know, it's funny. I mentioned Dave from Tap Mental um, a little bit ago and he inspired me. My last call that I had with him, he came in with that intense energy, um, you know, of, of passion. And and it's amazing how the, you know, the intentionality of showing up as your best self completely changes the experience of the moment that you have at hand. So like you said, whether it's Starbucks or whether that's um, your next sales meeting, it doesn't matter. Um, if you can train yourself to be intentional, your the outcome of any given experience is going to be more on point. Um, I want to share a quick, super yes. quick story with you that I think course, the audience would love. So I had the pleasure of having a guy on my podcast who built a billion dollar company, exited a billion dollar company. And one of the things he said to me, this is probably about a year ago at this point, but when I heard it, it really moved me. And he said, you know, I asked him the question. I said, how do you bring the A game all the time? I'm like, you're always this, this force. And he said, 
I would get in the elevator. This is pre-pandemic. He said, I would get in the elevator of my company. You know, we had 700 and something employees that built it for my, my dorm room is what he was describing. And he said, that might be the only time that person gets to meet me. That might be the only time that that person gets to experience me. I have a responsibility to make sure that I'm showing up as my full self there in that moment, because I might've been having a bad day. I might've stubbed my toe on the way in, or I forget how he said it exactly. He said, but that person might interpret there's something wrong with the company or there's something, a much bigger problem. If I showed up and didn't bring that, that energy and that self. And I got to tell you, Jackson, ever since I had that conversation with him on the podcast and wow. I've stayed in touch with him since I was like, you know what, this is like my reminder to square my shoulders back, whether I'm in the airport and exhausted or whatever it is, got to bring that a game because you only get one chance to make a first impression. And if that first impression of you is not the right impression, you might not get a second chance. So for me, that that's definitely been a reminder um, to just do my best every time. So I don't know if that works for you, the audience, but that's a real that's story huge. that hit me. Oh, no, I love that. I love it. And it's it's something we can all learn from. Um, and it's something that I'm going to take away right away um, and apply because it's it's been kind of hitting me in the face over the last couple of weeks where I've been like, ah, man, I can do this. I've had bronchitis for about two months now. Oh um, man, sorry to hear that. So, you sound great. Yeah, and that's it's the best sickness to have when you're a podcaster. Um, you know, like messing with your throat, messing, but you, like you said, like being able to show up, and that's the mantle that we accept as leaders who want to build great companies or great influence in the world is is learning to again, and it's that would that would be awful. What if you did stub your toe, you know, like and and you saw somebody, a new employee, and you're screaming and cussing. Uh, you know, like about your toe. And now their impression is like, oh, he doesn't that like guy. <laughs> me. He doesn't, he doesn't want me working here. Um, you know, like you're, you are under the pressure of, of influence at, at all times by what we've chosen to do. Um, so thank you for reminding us of that. And uh, we'll all run with it the best we can. What's your vision um, for your life, Pete? What do you, what do you hope to accomplish over the next five, 15, 30 years? You feel free to question. find it however you want. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a big question. And hopefully the answer is as big as the question. Um, <laughs> I certainly will strive for that. So for me, I've set this arbitrary marker on myself where I want to impact a million people's lives with creativity and curiosity. So my goal is like, while I'm here, I want to make a million people live creative and curious lives. And when I get to a million people and I can measure that somehow, and there's different ways I'm sure I can measure that from email list to people reaching out to me, to conversations I have, whatever it is. When I get to a million, hopefully if I'm blessed enough to live around and, and make that impact, then I'm going to add a zero to it and add a zero to it. And I'm just going to keep going and going. So I believe, I tweeted this actually this morning, ironically enough, or, or I think the other day, I believe that our legacy is not about the things that we do, but the things that we enable and empower other people to do. And those are the things that get remembered because at the end of the day, we're here for a short time. And you know, when we're dead and gone, you know, we like to think in our heads that people are going to remember us kind of past that funeral, past that day. But the true reality is, you know, there's way more prolific minds than me and you that have been on this planet that have done things that people have long forgotten about. So my hope is that when I'm dead and gone, that my family, my family's family, and that the other people that I've been able to impact over my, my life and work um, can make a positive difference. And that's my ultimate vision for myself. Um, obviously, a big part of that, just to get more specific, is I definitely want to have a life of creativity and fulfillment. Um, being able to make a positive impact. I want to leave the world in a better place than I found it, um, which might be a big ask. And I think that, you know, the thing I love about vision is that you can almost fantasize a little bit, right? The nice thing about vision is that 
you can hallucinate a little bit before you make that mm-hmm. plan happen and then go and execute that plan. So yeah, that's my vision for myself. Um, my vision for the different companies that I start, own, or invest in is yeah. much more concrete, much more specific. But in terms of my vision for myself, those are some, some of the things that I'm stepping out and focusing on right now. That makes sense. Um, I actually want to double down a little bit on that. So when it comes to people that you've you've impacted and influenced that have gone on to do cool things that you're excited about, um, you know, things that you're excited for them, you know, and what they've accomplished. I, I can see that in you, Pete. Um, who's one that comes to mind that that you're willing to talk about their story and, and you know, what your what part of your influence might have been an impact on that? But what have they accomplished since? What have they gone on to do? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, there's a, there's a couple of, of folks that come to mind right away. I don't know how they would necessarily feel about me telling their stories. So maybe just to not out them without their consent, maybe I'll just yeah. kind of share a little bit about who they were, how I think I impacted them, what they're doing now. That's um, fair. I appreciate and then, that. Um, if folks want to learn more about that person, they can hit me up offline and I'll get that person's okay or whoever else we talk about and I'll, and I'll hopefully connect them with, with consent. So um, one young woman comes to mind where she was an intern at one of my first companies and um she's a strategy intern and we got to put her on so she was you know probably just coming out of college or finishing up college we got to put her on a couple of like key accounts at the agency uh, my first agency was called digital surgeons it was a brand experience firm and we got to put her on a couple different accounts and she went on to now she's like running strategy for mercedes um and a couple of big brands so that that's one example wow. um Another example that's really fond for me is I had a young man that um, one of his, his, his father, uh, when, so when he was born, his father went to jail. He didn't grow up with a father. Um, his mother had a drug problem um, and he never thought he was going to be able to you know, go to school, kind of start a business, that sort of thing. Um, now he is just about finished with a university program that he got into. He's studying computer science um, and he recently got a really well-paid internship working with a very popular software company that you, you've probably heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just another example. Again, two completely different people from completely different sides of the tracks. But yeah. I'd like to think that what I was able to do is create an environment of creativity and curiosity for them. They did the work. They're, yeah. they're the ones that deserve all the credit. Um, what I like to think that my, my sort of role in that journey was, was being the guide, right? They're the heroes, right? I'm just the guide in that journey. And I think as someone who does brand strategy for a living, I think the best thing we can do is be that guide, you know, because at the end of the day, it's, it's the person doing the work. It's the, it's the customer. That's the hero. We're just the guides. And I think that, you know, you mentioned, you gave me a really positive compliment at the beginning when you said, you said, I remind you of Gary. Yeah. One of the things I love about Gary. Um, you cuss yeah, less. What's well, that? You, you cuss less, but yes. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I don't know who our audience is, right? But <laughs> right. I'm, I've been known to drop a couple F-bombs, but sure, me too. Um, but what I was going to say is he talks a lot about humility and empathy and compassion. And um, not a lot of people know that unless they get to know him or really kind of dig deeper into his content, because mm-hmm. some of the stuff he can put out there is pretty polarizing. Sure. I just want to sort of underscore and echo since you put his name in my head and in, in the picture of him in my head, I think it's that empathy. I think it's that compassion yeah. that is super important to be able to set the table because when we get high off our own supply, when we sort of like think how great we are, and look, I've been there, right? Like, you know, when I was like the young kind of punk kind of on the come up when I was 22 years old running a, you know, multi-million dollar company, I thought I was cool. I thought I was better than everybody. And I think that it was that kind of like ego back then that I think got me in a lot of trouble. 
Um, mm. And at the end of the day, it made me feel a whole lot less fulfilled. So now I know my place in the universe and I know that my place is the guy, not the hero. And I think that that's allowed me to hold more space for people. It's allowed me to be a better listener. Obviously, we're on a podcast right now, so I'm, I'm talking with you. But yeah. if we were in a casual situation, I'd, I would probably be doing a lot more listening, a lot yeah. more asking questions and really hearing what you're saying versus just kind of like blurting out a bunch of words. So, yeah, no, I just wanted to share that because it's that's been a big part of my journey over the past, I'd say, probably 10 years is probably the the term I, time I'd put on it. But yeah, those are just two stories. I, is that kind of what you're looking for, Jackson? Huge, my friend. Those are great. Um, and uh, to double down on some of what you talked about. So um, I'm glad that that you didn't cross the boundaries of uh, some people confuse humility with kind of negligence, um, you know, or like downplaying realities. And, and you didn't do that. And I'm grateful because we as entrepreneurs, we are facilitators of environments. Amen. Right. So you, you're the guide and you construct an environment. I love that Taylor Welch, he, he taught this concept. I always had to give him credit for it, which was um, environment to him is the number one driver for success. You can take a weak person and put them in a strong environment and they will outperform a, a, a uh, strong person who's in a weak environment. Um, think of a, a strong person in a hurricane you know, uh, trying to run a race versus somebody who's in fantastic weather um, that might be in a wheelchair, um, right? And so you, your environment is a big portion of what's going to drive your success as a listener. And Pete, what I, what I hear, what I know you represent is a person who creates an environment where these individuals could come and incubate their own success and probably like-minded peers probably other mentors and leaders involved in the process, tools that they can utilize. Um, and that, you know, that, that I wish more entrepreneurs, um, I hope more entrepreneurs gravitate towards realizing that, that we've okay. got to provide great environments um, and for those who work with us. I also, one thing I want to say though, and I appreciate you saying that I'm really humbled by, by the kind words. I really try my best to live that life. And, and I hope that if you asked others, they would say that. What I learned the hard way is that you can't force it on people, right? So, you know, whether it's Angela Duckworth talking mm -hmm. about grit or resilience or all these these more in vogue terms over the past couple of years that have kind of come across the bestseller lists on Amazon or New York Times, what I yeah. think is pretty interesting is if someone's not ready to be in a space of creativity and curiosity, you can't force it on them. Right. So what, you know, I recently did an exercise. Um, I'm in the process right now of transforming another one of the companies that I'm that I'm a part of. Um, we've got a great leadership team in place that running the company. I'm, I'm sort of more of a chairman at this point, but I was sort of digging into kind of like the greatest hits, you know, that the high points over the past 15, 16 years, the low points. Mm. And I was looking at, I was looking for signal in that noise. And one of the things I realized was the people that have had the most positive experiences with the organization that, that are no longer there versus you know, the people that are still there versus, you know, folks and whatnot. What I thought was a, an interesting common denominator that showed up was the willingness and the desire to align to those core values. One of our core values being around curiosity, one of them being around creativity. You can't force it on people. And I learned that the hard way thinking like, I'm going to give all these, I'm going to give all this motivation to people. You, you can't give motivation to people, right? Or I'm going to give right. all these tools and techniques to people. But if they don't ultimately want that and they're not welcoming it into their lives, you know, I would say the biggest environment that we have to set for ourselves is the one between our two ears, which is our mindset right? Mm. It's that brain. And right. if we don't, if we don't set that mindset for ourselves, no matter what situation we're in, how good, how bad it is, 
I don't think it's going to be able to turn around. So what I noticed now is, and, and we screen for this in our kind of HR processes when we're hiring is really look, does that person have that tenacity or resilience? Do they want to grow very fast, right? If, if you don't want to sort of have an environment that's a little bit chaotic, that's a little bit high energy, high intensity, we're definitely not the right fit for you. And I say we're meaning the three or four different companies that are actively hiring right now that, right. that I have some stake in. Um, so I think it's really important that you align on mission and vision and values. It sounds squishy, but I think when you get it right, it, you know, it's like a rocket ship. When you get it wrong, it's like a poison pill. And yep. that's just what I would say to the group here is like, I learned that one the hard way and all the kind words you're saying about me. There's a lot of people back in the day that weren't saying such kind words about me. <laughs> right. We, what we learn as we go, um, you know, we, we gotta grow up and mature. Um, we get the opportunity to, uh, to choose to do that or not to do that. And so you're, you are preaching to the choir as vision pros. Anybody who's following this, uh, podcast realizes, I mean, it's, it's always vision, culture, leadership. Um, you know, those are our three big pillars. Um, <clears throat> I love that you keyed on on the hero aspect. Um, and you talked about being the guide versus the hero because the logo for first class business is in fact, the icon is a hero. Um, and what I think most people don't realize it's as subconscious as any logo, the hero is the business owner. That is our hero. The hero is this, the business owner that we're serving. Um, and in my case, therefore for first class business, it's my job to step up as the hero. But when a term comes to certain clients is that what we're servicing, we're the Alfred. We're the butler behind the scenes helping Batman do what he needs to do and, and making sure he doesn't die in the process of saving the world. <laughs> um, you know, that, that's kind of what we do is just serve and guide. Um, you know, but um, let's let's keep going with the uh, the next. We're going to go into a little bit of a darker theme. Thank you to the, the Dark Knight. Um, so what is your worst business experience ever? Easy answer. Um, I blindly trusted an executive that I brought in um, in a financial capacity and it, it wreaked havoc on one of my businesses. And it was a very, very difficult process to discover that and turn it around. Um, and it's shameful, right? You know, you ask yourself like, how did this happen to me? Like, you know, it's, it would kind of be like what happens if somebody breaks into your house. Um, and you're like, well, you know what, like, how could this have happened? I live in a good neighborhood. We had, we have a good security system and there's locks on my door. How could this happen? That was the first thought that I had in my head. Mm. Looking back now, I'm grateful for the lesson because I think that lessons are what define us and our true characters define not, our, not at our highest moment, but at our lowest moment. So speaking of darkness, speaking of being down, that I would say is probably one of the worst business experiences um, because of just the violating feeling it had, right? Mm. And how that felt. Um, a close second to that is when during COVID, um, we were met with some financial challenges and for the first time ever in almost 15 years, we had to lay some people off. And that was a, a gut and heart wrenching moment because despite my best effort and, and me and my leadership team's best effort, you know, we all took gigantic pay cuts. We all took, you know, my, my co-founder and I were actually foregoing a salary for a period of time, like did all the things that we possibly could have, but that was truly a black swan event that we just didn't see coming. Mm -hmm. um, and that was gut wrenching because, you know, I had to say, say goodbye to some really good people. And I think in that moment, I feel bad for how that impacted others and what yeah. could I have done differently to be more prepared so that I didn't have to have that happen to others. 
And then also just the ripple impact that that has on the people who are left behind that, that get to stay. Um, and I think I learned a lot as a leader during that moment. And, and that was tough. So I'd say that was the second worst. They're, they're definitely a kind of close first and close second. One's more of, you know, both of them were really surprising. Um, and, uh, but one of them you can plan for a lot better than the other. Absolutely. Well, I, and I love that you see it as a learning opportunity. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing how, when you're in those moments, um, you, you get to, it's, it's miraculous almost to feel how much pain the heart can endure. Absolutely. Yeah. And you feel it, right. It's like, there's a great book out there. I remember when I was getting some, some therapy, not for that, but for just, you know, I think everybody should have therapy. Like that's a whole separate conversation, but I remember there's a great book that I learned about called the body keeps score, um, which is just such a beautiful Mm -hmm. truth, which is, you know, we all know what it feels like when they say something like gut wrenching, right? Well, it's like, well, where, where do you feel that in your body? Right. Or when you get angry, you know, what does that feel like? I feel hot. I feel red. Right. Like, so the body keeps score. And I think that that's a whole separate conversation that I'd love to share with you in the audience, maybe another time, but, but yeah, Yeah. no, that's, um, that's just a thought that comes to mind there. Hey man, happy to have you back tomorrow. Um, you know, so we happy to, to uncover as many truths as we can. Um, so you, you mentioned that, that, uh, executive and the financial reality. Um, I, I think that's a very common trend amongst entrepreneurs and maybe this podcast serves as a little bit of therapy, uh, a little therapeutic for those who, um, you know, come in and are like, man, okay, I'm not the only one, um, you know, that can be helpful. I've been there when, when, uh, I was delegating so irresponsibly with my first venture, um, I had, uh, injected my wife at time um, into the business in many ways. She was doing all the responsible things for the business, uh, taxes, insurance, <laughs> finances, you know, and and I cakewalked it for a while. Uh-uh, that, that's not how you run a business. Um, and so I ended up transferring that over to a really good friend um, who came in with more responsibility, but I couldn't afford him after six months. So now I ended up with my finances in the hands of three different accountants and it was a mess. I mean, it was, I was like, Oh my gosh, I was so irresponsible with this process and, and how to, how to, how to go about bringing somebody in the right way. And now I've got everything scattered in three different people's accesses. One that had a harder time uh, feeling motivated to give me what I needed after our divorce. Right. Um, So it was, it was a very painful um, reality check of, Oh man, let's let's learn to be better delegators um, with, with what we do. So let's let's go into that better delegation side of things. What's your best experience in business look like? It's a great question. Um, a couple come to mind. One of the the ones that I would say my teams heard me talk about, but it's it's just really a proud moment was we got, we won an account that we had no business winning. We were, a, we were a tiny little shop at the time we had, you know, outside of myself and my co-founder, we were a very junior team at the time and we won Lady Gaga as a client and we had a rah, rah. No, let's go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, listen, I could sing all those songs backwards. Um, I get a chill every time I hear her come on the radio, you know, um, just hearing her voice and, um, it was a proud moment for me, not because it was a big celebrity, not because we got to this big, crazy event, not because we won pretty much the internet Oscars, but it's something called the Webbies at the time. Um, what was the most 
great about that experience is what I call the eyes light up moment. And I, I want to just encourage you and the audience to like, look for the eyes light up moments that happen in business, because when they happen, just take a beat, take a pause. You know, we're all forward obsessed. I say we're all moving to the next thing, but take a beat when that eyes light up moment happens. So I got to take the team that worked on this project to the event. I got to take the team that worked on this project to the award show and the eyes light up moment, just the, the, the pride in these people to get to be at this, you know, fancy thing. And to be honest, I had never been to something at that scale before either. Um, and I brought my team. You know, I didn't bring my, my then my then girlfriend, my now wife. I, di I didn't bring her. Um, my co-founder didn't bring his then girlfriend, now wife. We brought our team, a couple members of our team. We had a limited number of people, and it was a proud moment. And for me, that was the moment where I realized it was no longer about how good I was at designing or how good I was at coding, which is what got me into the game to begin with. That's where I realized what it was like to lead. That's where I realized what it was like to see the impact that you can make on other people. And I would say that that was definitely one of the best moments of my career because a couple of things happened, right? The underdog won against the big challenge, right? It's like, like some of the greatest movies that we all love, right? Mm -hmm. The seemingly impossible task, the impossible deadline that we didn't even know was possible, we pulled off. Um, and ultimately it turned into, you know, a pretty category defining thing that was written about in books. It was covered for many years after and, and it created millions and millions of dollars of business, you know, for year after year as a result of that work. Um, so it's just a powerful thing to understand that like when your calling comes, like answer the bell, right. When the phone rings, yeah. um, because magic can happen from that. So I'd say that was the spark and the experience for me. Sounds like you get to add a zero um, to your 1 million number already in that case. Um, so that's fun. Um, and by the way, for anybody listening, one of the best, <clears throat> one of the best songs to ask dueling pianos to play is Bad Romance by Lady Gaga. <laughs> it's one of my favorites to see them play. They go nuts with it. Um, so that that's an awesome story. Thanks for sharing that. And that that tier and level two, I was talking to uh, Scott Ritzheimer, I think his last, his name, last name's hard. I got to get it down. But Scott wrote in his book about um, of entrepreneurship about a coach who for the last play of the game decides to run on the field and catch the ball. Um, and everybody gets mad, of course, and there's flags and like, you know, you've never seen a coach do that. But in entrepreneurship, we do that all the time. Um, we know where we dive into the play when we're not supposed to. But when you when you become a leader, um, you know, in, and that's your new trajectory and what you're now supposed to be doing. Um, it can be hard not to go back into the game and, and fix everything and, and control. So um, as we go into powerful lessons, I don't want to pigeonhole you on that, but I do want to explore that a little bit before we dive into the powerful lesson you want to share for visionaries to learn from your experience. So first things first, um, how did you navigate the process of making that shift from uh, player to coach? And do you still go back and forth at times um, in different areas? Yeah, it's it, it's a great question. And and honestly, I would say the answer I'm going to give you is, is my truth, mm -hmm. but I don't think it's the best answer for your question. The I can give you the best answer for the question, but it's not one that I follow all the time, right? So what I'm able to, to sort of follow is I think in a company that is, you know, call it zero to $10 million just for a round number, zero to $10 million companies 
everybody is a player coach, which means you've got to step, you know, sometimes you got to step onto the field. You got to catch the, you got to make the play. You got to do the thing. And that's just the nature of, you know, law of small numbers, right? Your, your team might not be of a certain size. You know, mm-hmm. if you've got, you know, there's times where we had three or four people out on maternity, paternity leave at the same exact time. Right. And it, times like that, when you're a small team, um, you got to do what it takes to win. Right. So I think that's the thing. Um, nowadays, a lot of the companies that I coach and support um, outside of my, my the, the core businesses that I started earlier, but now when I'm coming in as an advisor or as a consultant or as a strategist, um, they have much larger teams. They have much larger market caps. You know, some of these are publicly traded companies that I'm working with. And it's really bad when the coach is stepping on the field. So, you know, after a certain size, um, you really have to force yourself to not focus on how, but focus on who. So, you know, one of the, the coaches I learned a lot from is a guy named by the name of Danny Sullivan. He's sort of like the OG coach, strategic coach is, is how he, you know, what he was referred to as. And for the longest time I used to think about, because remember my background's in design and engineering. So I was the guy making the magic happen. Right. Um, I started a creative, creative company cause I was a creative. Um, I think the inflection point for me is realizing that I actually love being a creative. So it's not about micromanaging or holding on to something too tightly. It's not about knowing when to let go. It's about understanding that your role or your job has changed and you have to be okay with that. And you have to understand like what piece are you on the chessboard, right? I was just having this discussion yesterday with somebody, another entrepreneur, and he was saying like a lot of pawns think they're kings. A lot of Kings think they're rooks and we were going around the chessboard because we're both chess nerds. <laughs> and it wasn't about one being better than the other. It was about understanding that it's a supporting cast, right? Um, yeah. The example that I give a lot is going from playing first chair in the orchestra to being the conductor of the symphony. And that was a hard contrast for me. It was a hard pivot. Mm. Um, some would say I haven't even fully mastered it yet. But what I would say is that's the big shift for practitioners, for service type businesses, is you got to get out of the service and delivery fast because if you're working in your business and you're not working on your business, you're not growing your business. So um, that's the advice that I'd say was a hard pill for me to swallow because of my own passions. Um, I have a whole other kind of shtick I can go through with you and the, the group at another time, but basically it's this concept of a green zone, which basically comes out of a great book called The Big Leap. Um, I believe it's by Gay Hendricks, if if my memory suits me. But that book clearly articulates something called your zone of genius. Um, and just you know, loosely defined, it's the things that you're really good at that give you energy that you love. But a lot of entrepreneurs end up playing in their zone of competence, right? So the things that you're really good at, but you don't necessarily love. Um, and I think just finding where your zone of genius is and and stepping into it's a really important thing. However, sometimes the zone of genius is the thing that creates the limitation or the limiting factor for your business. So now I'm focusing a lot of my energy on going from my zone of genius and my zone of competence to what's going to be the thing that's going to give me the most leverage for my holdings company. What's going to give me the most leverage so that when my son grows up, I can be at all the games, whatever he decides to play or you know, music lessons or whatever it is that he does, right? Right now, I would say I definitely have a little bit of the bug for entrepreneurship, meaning that it like it was my first baby and it's 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 hard to kind of step back from. So I hope that answers kind of what you're looking at. And also just to the audience, gives a no bullshit answer, which is like 
what the textbook tells you to do and what you ultimately end up doing aren't always the same thing. And that's okay. But you just got to lean into that and embrace it because that's what happens. Wow. Uh, you are, it's obvious that you're always going to give a lot to unpack, um, which is awesome. Um, you know, it's, it's a this is a conversation I'm going to be meditating on, um, a lot probably over the course of the week, um, and, and beyond, but, uh, how old's your son first off? A little over two. Two years. Okay. Awesome. Um, my, my advice back, my invitation back is, is, uh, as you position yourself, um, you know, and you look for those opportunities, no matter what obstacle comes your way just do it. You know, Nike, um, just make the time, uh, you know, it, it'll be worth it. Um, and, and every bit I'm a, I'm a dad of four. Um, and I'm grateful. God bless you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. He, he has, and he does, and they serve, they, they help me survive. Um, you know, my kiddos teach me everything. Um, but having that at 12 year old, um, you know, I was, I was a stay at home dad from the beginning. Um, and that has been one of the greatest blessings um, for my life. And I hope more people, uh, with the new rich, you know, thanks to the four hour work week and, and the new mindset and paradigms on that, there's great opportunities, um, you know, to be involved from the beginning and, um, you just don't get those experiences back. So enjoy that Pete. No, I love that. And I appreciate you sharing that. And I think, you know, one of the things that I love about what you just said, I just said it too, is like stepping into like, what does it really mean to be a man? You know, is a, is a topic that a lot of people, kind of will, you know, shun away from, you know, when you talk about, you know, being a man or masculinity or that sort of thing. And and yeah. I think it's about, you know, being present, loving kindness. You know, it's like when I grew up and I was a kid, like my dad worked all the time. My dad was never around and it wasn't because he didn't want to be, it was because he had to be right. He was putting mm -hmm. food on the table. He was, you know, a blue collar guy working two jobs to, to make ends meet. Right. So I'm blessed that I've been able to build a number of businesses that, you know, we have the, the financial, you know, fortitude to be able to do the things that, that, I need to do. I mean, today I'm, I'm in my home office as opposed to my, my work office where we chatted last time. And it's because I'm home and we're going out for Halloween in a little bit. Right. So, um, I think that those are the things that really matter. And I want to put that out there because I think it's when I was younger, the dads weren't around a lot, right. It was, mm -hmm. it was always like the, the mom, the matriarchy and the family, that sort yeah. of thing. So I love that you're modeling that for, for you and your audience. I'm trying to model it for me and mine. Um, because I just think that, you know, like some, some, the other day someone said to me like, oh, like you're babysitting your kid. And I'm like, I'm not babysitting my kid. I'm parenting my kid. Like I'm around <laughs> my kid. Like, I'm like, it's a hard, was, it's a hard so reality offended. for people to, to get Dude, into. I was, I was so yeah. offended. I got, I got kind of like red hot about it. I was like babysitting. I'm like, this is the favorite thing I get to do is hang out with my kid, man. Like there's no time machine. Right. It's like, you know, no. so yeah, no, I, I appreciate you, uh, you striking that chord and putting that out there for the audience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my favorite example of that, um, of being a great dad is Jake Larson of videopower.com. Um, and, and I look up to him tremendously. The cool thing is he doesn't try, he just does it. Um, you know, and I, that's, I learned a lot from him. I used to try so hard to influence. And like you said, you can't force it. Um, you know, and, and the more you try, the more you almost repel it rather than, you know what, if I just live and be, you know, what I'm, what I'm meant to be, um, and, and my best self, then the influence of that has an impact that um, is it's almost it's almost laughable. Um, you know yeah. how that how it works out. I want to I want to check him out. So definitely um, flip me a link for that because I, I just want to be typing while you're talking here. But yeah. um, you know, it's funny how when amateurs are putting in lots of effort, you see it. 
when mm-hmm. pros are putting it in and they make it look effortless. Um, I would say I'm still in the journey of, you know, going from amateur to pro when it comes to that. Yeah. So that's an area that's still trying to be in the flow, trying to be present, but, um, sure. you know, it can be interesting when shit hits the fan pun intended. Um, yeah. and, uh, yeah, man. Yep. Well, um, back to a couple of, of, uh, great people. You mentioned, uh, the empathy that, that Gary Vaynerchuk has, um, you know, and again, he's servicing an audience of people in, um, uh, you know, he, he mainly serves people from where he comes from, the Bronx, the hood, whatever you want to call it. Um, and he has a different dialect that he uses to relate to people, um, you know, with a lot of cursing and, and words that maybe other people are uncomfortable with, but it connects him, um, you know, to that audience in a way that that's very authentic. And um, I mentioned him and I'm going to circle to Bill Russell as well, because you said something so profound and dynamic. I hope people catch it. And that's that at different levels of the game at different levels of leadership, you're sometimes still required or you still have the opportunity or it's still important. However you want to define that to be the player coach, to be in both Bill Russell, you know, the most winning of all champions. Um, if you haven't seen his documentary or you don't know his story, he was both the coach of his NBA team as well as the player in the team because the NBA was small back then. It was, it was a very small association that was, that didn't have the payments that you have today. And I grew up in San Antonio with Tim, who is very much a player coach as well. Um, you know, even though the organization was massive at that time. So thanks for, for shedding the light on that. I think it helps um, when, when we as entrepreneurs realize that, okay, we don't, we don't have to be boxed into one person's paradigm or one person's um, best effort to teach us something that could be dynamically helpful for where we're at but we got to strive to be the visionary, to dive into our own intuition, our own heart and mind, and see what is relevant for us right now in this moment, this project. Pete, you did an excellent job of facilitating a whole lot of wisdom on the show today. Um, what's the best way for people to connect with you and get involved in your projects? Yeah, so I'm, that's a great question. So I'm Pete Senna on just about every social channel. Um, I'm still calling it Twitter. So Elon could come for me um, and he Woo! might. But um, I'm Pete Senna on Twitter. I'm Pete Senna on LinkedIn. Um, my personal website, which des- desperately needs an update, is PeteSenna.com. And then if you want to learn about some of the, the great work that my team is doing, um, which you know is just really amazing, is um, go to WeRDS.com. Um, that is uh, Digital Surgeons website or DigitalSurgeons.com. They, they both go to the same place. And you can sort of check out all the great brands that they're transforming over there. Um, that, that I'm blessed to make noise and, and try to not get in their way too much. Um, <laughs> I think that they would, they would agree that I'm staying off the field wherever possible. Um, but every once in a while I'll, I'll jump in and just for my own amusement, show someone that I, I still have some skills and I'm not just the guy in the ivory tower. I get that. That's awesome, man. Uh, well, you, you heard him. We'll, we'll drop those on the show notes and the landing page as well. Pete, thanks so much for being on the show, man. This is awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to 